You're listening to audio from Cibolo Creek Community Church. To learn more, visit CiboloCreek.com. So last week, we started a discussion around this idea of, well, let's get this party started. And um, I was sharing with you that a challenge that I'm facing, that we're facing as a staff team, I'm feeling it, I, I guess, as, as a lead pastor, that we have this new experience happening like we have, we have like our on-campus congregation, all the people who participate with what goes on around here. And then we have this dimension of our congregation that's now online and watching from home. Or sometimes when they're traveling or watching from hotel rooms, we have people from around the United States who don't even live in the area who participate in our church regularly online. And we're trying to figure out like how do we shepherd them we have this congregation that's been around for a long, long, long time and it seems to be connected to the history and the roots of our church. And then we have so many of you who are brand new. And so as we anticipated the celebration of our anniversary, I was thinking, like, what could we do to sort of bring us all together, no matter if we've been around forever, if we are new, if we're online or on campus, how, how could we bring us all together to be on the same page, like people from different areas of the country arriving at the airport and getting on the same plane and going to the same destination? How, how could we do that? And I thought that one of the ways that we can do, not the only way, but one of the ways is if we could go back to our roots and visit some of the passages of Scripture that were so formative in the life of this church in the early days. We talked about them all the time. Last week, we talked about Jesus' parables in Luke chapter 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And we talked about the fact that ever since Cibolo Creek began, we've always had this high value for people who are far from God and people who are trying to make sense of Jesus and create a place for them. And from that passage of scripture in Luke chapter 15, we learned that lost people matter to God and therefore, as a church, they ought to matter to us. If we truly are seeking the heart of God and to follow Jesus, then lost people have to matter to us. And so in our minds, our dream, our vision is that Sybil Creek would be this close-knit family of Christ followers with the heart of Jesus for people who are far from God. And I invite every one of us to start imagining what would it be like, what would it be like if every Christ follower at Sybil Creek intentionally and diligently and consistently and sincerely and prayerfully began developing a relationship with just one person that didn't know Jesus as their Savior and start cultivating that relationship prayerfully with the hopes that God might use you and this church to introduce your friend, a work associate, a classmate to Jesus Christ for the very first time. It would revolutionize what God is doing in and through this church. So today... We want to look at a second passage, and we, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to keep it a little bit brief, and you're like, thank God. <laughs> so they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, sometimes the only pictures that we have are words, and there's some wonderful pictures that we find in the pages of the New Testament, and one of the passages that has been so 
critical to our understanding of the church here at Civil Creek is a picture of the very first church that ever existed in history. It existed in the city of Jerusalem. And following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter, one of the early apostles, he had an opportunity to preach to this enormous audience of people, many of them who had watched Jesus be crucified. Many of them had yelled out, crucify him. And Peter has the opportunity to address this crowd of people and tell them what it is that they just did. They crucified the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And the Spirit of God moved through that crowd and they moved through that message that Peter delivered. And a number of people accepted Christ. And we pick up the story there. Those who accepted Peter's message, they were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The very first church in history starts with 3,000 people. Imagine how many cupcakes that is. And here's what the church did. Here's what this group of brand new Christ followers did. They they devoted themselves. Like they were in it with this deep sense of commitment. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because they didn't have a Bible. All they had was what the apostles were sharing about their experience with Jesus, where he went and who he talked to and what he said, miracles that he performed. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they devoted themselves to fellowship, like to doing life together with each other. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. There's some discussion about what exactly is that. Historically and culturally, it seems like the best understanding of the breaking of bread is they devoted themselves to getting together for meals and taking care of each other in that way. And they devoted themselves to prayer because they needed God's help. When these Jewish people put their faith in Jesus Christ as their savior, they were ostracized from their families. They were often lost their jobs because they were in family businesses. They didn't have an income. And so the church had to rally around each other and take care of one another and and ask for God to help them. And everyone was filled with, favorite word in the Bible, there was something happening in Jerusalem among those 3,000 people that was just like, This is incredible. We've never seen anything like this. Many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And all the believers, all 3,000 of them, they were together and they had everything in common. They were sharing what each other possessed in order to take care of one another. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's the only place they could find that was big enough to accommodate them. And they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, meaning they just loved doing this. And they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. In other words, they had such a profound witness in their community that people were like, these people, these Christians... This is different. We've never seen anything like this before. And here's what the net effect. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were coming to Christ for the very first time. And we've always thought in terms like, that doesn't have to just exist in the first century. Why couldn't that exist in the 21st century? Why couldn't that exist here? 
But I want you to see something about the language of this passage of scripture. Look at all the togetherness. They devoted themselves. They were in it together. They were in it for the fellowship, the friendships. They, they broke bread together. They, every day, everyone was filled with awe. They were experiencing something together. All the believers were how? Together. And they had everything in common. They, all of them, they sold property if it was necessary in order to meet someone else's need. They continued... Together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes. They were getting together in smaller settings as well as larger settings, and they ate together. And those people who were not Christians were being added to this larger number of people who were meeting Christ for the first time. And here's what's so amazing about that picture. There's no church building. There's no choir There's no stained glass, no steeples, there's no pews, there's no pulpits, there's no pipe organ, and there aren't even pastors. It's just people, people who have found a relationship with one another through a shared faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That was what drew them together. And you get the impression from the passage that they spent a lot of time together with each other. So it's interesting to watch the church unfold in the first century. And what we become aware of historically is that the church starts to be persecuted. It starts to fall on really hard times as people become opposed to the message of Jesus Christ. And so it's interesting that later in the New Testament, we read this passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, look at the language of the verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we as a group profess for God who promised is faithful. Let us together consider how we may spur one another on. Let's put our heads together. Let's share our hearts with one another and think of ways that we can encourage each other in the following of Jesus toward love and good deeds. And whatever we do, as hard as it gets, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let's encourage one another and all the more as the day of Christ approaches. Like as this time starts to tick down, this act of togetherness was very important. And the writer of Hebrews is pleading with these Jewish Christians who are thinking, you know, following Jesus is hard. Why don't we just go back to being Jewish in our faith and we can get our jobs again and we won't be picked on by everybody and we won't be outcast in society. But the writer of Hebrews says, no, whatever you do, don't give up. As hard as it gets, don't give up. He said something was threatening their getting together. But the writer of Hebrews said, no. Whatever you do, don't stop getting together. I've always thought it interesting that there are churches throughout the world where being a Christian is illegal or certainly so hated that you can be arrested for it or even killed. There's places in China and the Middle East and Russia where Christians can be persecuted for their faith. And you know what's so fascinating to me? In these places where they're at risk for their lives, they still insist on getting together. 
in the cover of night, secretly as, well, as much as they can so they don't get arrested. They meet together. Why? Because they believe that there's a power in together. And they need each other. Look at this. Jesus said this. He said, for where two or three gathered together in my name, I am there with them. I'm wherever two or three people get together to worship me, to, to learn about me, to follow me. But what it interesting about it, he said, for where two or three. Huh. Why didn't he say for where one or two gathered together? Have you ever stopped to consider that? The reason he didn't start with one and two, because one won't work. There has to be at least two Christians coming together around Jesus for the church to be embodied. So I can't tell you enough how important together is. It's like, it's like the hardwired DNA of the church is for Christ followers to share life together. A church is a group of people. It's not a building. It's a group of people who gather together with Jesus at the center. Jesus' entire design for the church was to be built around a whole lot of togetherness. It's interesting, in the New Testament, there's nearly 60 specific commands, instructions to the early church that they were to do life with one another, that they could not express the full extent of what it meant to follow Jesus unless they did that with one another. And so there's these passages that are called the one another's. We see nearly 60 of them in the New Testament. Here's just some of them. Love one another, honor one another, encourage one another, accept, serve, be patient with one another. Sorry about that. I just spit like big. You saw it. <laughs> Don't act like you didn't see it. I said, um, okay. Forgive one another. So forgive me for that. <laughs> Submit to one another. Admonish, pray, humble, be hospitable. We, we've, we've made this a fine art at Sybil Creek. We love this. Devoted to one another, accept one another, teach one another. This is just some of them. But here's the deal. As Andy Stanley says, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. And from what I can tell, to one another one another requires a whole lot of togetherness. To one another requires a whole lot of togetherness, and you can't do that by yourself. Does that make sense? So what do you say, Sebelow Creek? That whether you've been here for 25 years or you've been here the last five months, that whether you join us here on campus or you join us online, what if you, what if, what if we made a stand for together? We determined that what our church would be really good at is figuring out the power of together. That we seize every opportunity to spend some time with each other 
as a way of experiencing Christ in our midst. Let's be the church family that honors the value of togetherness by prioritizing ways to spend time with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ because we, like the church from the very beginning to the church in China and Russia and the Middle East, we need each other. So let's make it a priority. We can do meals together have lunches or breakfast or get together with for, uh, each other for dinner, but just spending some time around tables, enjoying meals like they did in Acts chapter two. We can socialize together, just go and do fun things with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to be in groups here at Sybil Creek together, to worship together, to serve together. But the point is that we do this together. Does that make sense? So here in a few weeks, it's going to turn a little chillier here in Texas. And I'm going to get to start doing one of the things I absolutely love to do. And that's to sit out on my back patio and build a fire in the fire pit. And I just sit there. I just stare down into the flames. I love the smell of smoke in my clothes. I just love sitting by a fire. But here's an interesting thing. After a little while, the flames die down. And all you're left with is red hot coals. And those coals, they'll stay hot sometimes for days. But if you take a shovel and you take just a shovel full of coals and you pull them away from that fire and you set them down there on the patio. And then you take just one of those coals from that smaller fire and you set it aside. What you'll notice is this one over here by itself, the heat will dissipate and it'll die in just a few minutes. This smaller group of coals, it'll last a little bit longer. But this one, this one that's all together can last for days. So if we're going to look at a relationship with Jesus as a fire that burns inside of us, if we're going to look at our church as a fire that burns in our community, I'm suggesting to all of us that the best way to keep that fire burning white hot is that we learn to do this together. And if you're with me in that, I'd ask you to stand up right now. And all the weirdness of COVID is probably, at least for a couple more months, canceled the comfort of all of us holding hands. So what do you say we do this? We lift our hands together to God and we pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your incredible faithfulness to this church these 25 years. We thank you, Father, for your incredible generosity 
in so many different ways, but certainly the biggest and best way is that you have brought so many wonderful people through the doors of this church. And we thank you for each one of them. God, we believe that in the pages of the scripture, you've given us an idea of how life works best if we would simply follow the instructions. And it's clear that your template for the church is revealed in the New Testament that the people of God, followers of Jesus, they were intended to do their lives together. So God, I pray, I pray that you'll breathe into this church a whole new passion doing life together. Knit our hearts together in such a way that we truly understand ourselves as a family, brothers and sisters united together around a shared faith in Jesus Christ who have the heart of Jesus for our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers and classmates who don't know Jesus yet. But if you would see fit to use us to introduce them to Christ, we would be most blessed. Father, thank you for this time together and the celebration of your faithfulness to our church. In Christ's name we pray.